Hello, hello. Welcome to Driven by Design, the only automotive show that shows you the future of the car industry one conversation at a time. And I'm very excited today because this is our first day using our new music, which you can hear in the background. It's like a little... And I group. think you're over-caffeinated today, Harry. No, no, it, it's under-achievement uh, today. I haven't done anything today. Uh, we've got our wonderful engineer and producer, Paul Roberts. Yes. And today is a very special show. It really is. This is a, We rarely do a show like this or have an opportunity to do a show like this. Yeah, it's a tribute show. Uh, we have two guests, too. So there's a lot of firsts today. First music, first intro, first tribute show, and also first two guests. Uh, we have one on the phone, who is Brenda Parkin. Former designer at Nissan, uh, Brenda was in charge of all of the color and material for Nissans in North America. Say hi, Brenda. Hello, thanks for having me. Thanks hi, for, Brenda. Yeah. Hi. I'm so glad you're here. Can you hear us okay? Yeah, you're clear as a bell. Okay, good, all good, right. good. Um, and our second guest, who's in person, right here in front of me, is Anka Bodak. Also, former Nissan designer, uh, and the theme of why we're doing former Nissan designers will be very clear in a minute here. Anka, incidentally enough, worked for Brenda. She was Brenda's employee and uh, was a color and material designer working for Brenda for most of the years. Was she a good there. employee, Brenda? Tell us the truth now. Come on now. She doesn't work <laughs> yeah, there anymore. Yeah. Easy to say the best. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, both of these designers are very generous, talented And let's designers. get Brenda to be a little closer to whatever you're talking into, a cell phone or a smartphone, because you're a little soft there. There we go. As close as you can. This is going to be a close-up, intimate conversations with some fun memories of a, apparently a very amazing man who I never met. Yeah. With a, and that's yes. a great segue. Um, so the reason we're doing this show, uh, as special as it is today, is to talk about Jerry Hirschberg. Uh, Jerry Hirschberg uh, was the founder of Nissan Design International uh, in 1979. He created the studio that was responsible for about 75% of the cars in North America during the 80s and 90s. Some really amazing designs. Not just Nissan, but other cars. As uh, well. well, Infinity, Nissan and Infinity. Yeah. Um, you know, so both, but also a lot of firsts for Nissan. Right. Um, uh, aside from the, you know, amazing uh, accomplishments of that of uh, running a studio, uh, Jerry was also really, really unique. Uh, and uh, individual with it was a, a bit of a visionary, I would say. Uh, he gave all of us our careers, but he had a very unique way of running a studio. He he created the studio from scratch, and so that's what we want to talk about today. Um, because I, he recently passed away. Because Jerry passed away last week. Yeah, and he um, wasn't that old, was he? Was not eighty, Brenda? Yeah, I was eighty. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, I think you know. I, certainly, I personally was uh, affected and, and have been you know, quite emotional this week, but also the industry lost somebody very special. And, uh, but even Someone that they may not even know exists. I mean, that's what's amazing about the work that you guys do. You do it anonymously. Here. You, mm -hmm. You're not signing your names to the car here. I, you don't develop. In some cases, some designers have kind of cult followings because people have, have uh, done something nobody's ever seen before. But for the most part, I don't think the public knows who you guys are. Yeah, the public never really knows who does the cars that, that move them. But the, these people that do this, they create the, the work that sort of moves you throughout your day. And, um, uh, and Jerry was indeed a very special person. He created a studio that was very unique in the car industry. Car studios are typically very, um, very clinical, very business-like places. And Brenda, I think this would be a great place for to kind of tell your impression of Jerry because Jerry didn't want that. He created something that was like a playground. Uh, what is your first memory of Jerry, <laughs> Brenda? That's probably a great place to kick this off. <laughs> Jerry, he could take 
the most mundane task and turn it into some sort of competitive fun. And everything was a challenge to him. Everything was, uh, you know, some sort of game. He he didn't see, like, tasks that like, we would take, you know, day to day as just sort of no fun. He would just create some sort of strange marble game or rubber band game or something out of something and just created a sense of play and fun. Yeah, and it permeated the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. I think he really did, and 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 that play translated into vehicles that the world had really never seen before. Cars like the original Pathfinder or the Pulsar NX, which was the world's first modular vehicle with a rear end that could be changed out. I think the way that Jerry sort of created broke down these barriers, um, both physical and mental. Uh, like my earliest memory of Jerry is um, somebody stealing his clothes in the <laughs> locker room and him deciding just not to wear clothes because he wasn't going to let them get his goat. <laughs> and so you're, there's your design director, Buck Naked, in the studio. That really sets the theme of what kind of games. Wow, I yeah, get it. Now. Yeah, he was, he was very competitive. He was not going to be, like, one-upped by his now, underlings. Now you throw out the right. mysterious... You, you, I have to pursue this. You say a rubber band game or some other thing. How do you turn designing a door handle into a rubber band game or, or whatever you said? How do you turn it into a game? How do you, these are parts. He would make it into a competition. He would say, oh, how many people like this direction or that direction? Okay, so whatever team won, that's the way we're going to go. I mean, it was just... But did you do sillier <laughs> things like this? Is it oh, yeah. The, I remember, like, the first... All the time. Talk about, like, that. I remember when, uh, Brendan, we were doing Quest, a uh, minivan, uh, a minivan that Nissan sells in North America, uh, and when we went to select the models, he had everybody throw their shoes at the one they like, which, of course, damages the model. And I was like, I was a new employee. I thought, this is how it's done? You're going to, okay. And I remember at the, at the end of the review, he was like, oh, no, we'll never do that again. That was just today's yeah. thing. It right. was always like that, right? Or throw people in the water. Remember, oh, whoever, whoever won one. wasn't whoever's tell model the, won. Tell the story. I don't um, know what was it. Whichever model or design won, they were somewhat questioned and thrown into one of the... The pools. Beautiful the pools that were pools. like low, low pools, not deep pools. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brown. They were drowned. Basically. So then those guys, <laughs> whoever that was, like they had no dry clothing. Yeah. Hopefully they knew that. So you maybe you they had knew a not to wear white on the day of selection because <laughs> they were going to be transparent. <laughs> but yeah, you know, see, I think that, and it, and it wasn't just random rhyme or reason, uh, without rhyme or reason. Jerry really believed in this, uh, sort of took like the best of Japanese culture. Buddhism, these these these, uh, these ideas from Buddhism about just creating from love, breaking down st- structural barriers, having creative friction, and he turned those into the the, the playground that we got to be totally. in. Um, I mean, Brenda, you had a lot of interaction with the Japanese uh, structure be, uh, that that created this amazing company, Nissan. Can you talk a bit about what Jerry wanted to bring to it, coming from? Uh, Buick, uh, where he had been working at General Motors uh, in the 70s. Which has got to be a totally, I mean, I grew up in the car business. I knew people that worked in all levels of the business. Everybody's dad worked for one of these things. And it was a very command and control structure. Oh, yeah. Right. No, it didn't sound yeah, playful or can, fun at Buick, I'll bet. start with, you know, Jerry chose San Diego. Yeah. That wasn't by right. accident. That was absolutely to be as far as you can from Detroit, mm-hmm. literally. <laughs> and to to be close enough to Japan, one thing that it, it struck me later through the years is he was smart enough to know that he could be on the West Coast and still communicate with the Japanese on a typical business day. Mm. Just, uh, you know, but it wasn't like this, uh, it wasn't 
how do you say it, uh, Brian? It wasn't that he needed to have that con- constant communication. Right. He had it, but he didn't have to have it. Yeah, he sort of yeah. sheltered us from because yeah, it, yeah. there is a there is a corporate culture in these large corporations that that has to exist by the nature of the fact that they're making a very complicated machine that millions of people will buy. But in the but at the essence of that machine is is a spark of creativity, and he knew how to shelter us from that corporate structure. And this, you know, Jerry wasn't, Nissan was not by any means the, you know, the first highlight in his career. He, he worked with John DeLorean. He, uh, he designed the GTO. He designed uh, multiple Pontiacs before moving over and running Buick. When he got that call from Nissan, or at the time Datsun, to come start a brand new studio, this is exactly what Brenda's talking about. He, he, he picked something that not even anybody else was looking at. Like, I think all the car industry at that point was looking at Los Angeles or Orange County uh, as a place to open studios. But Jerry said, nope, San Diego. And, um, well, he had a young family at the time. And he said, ah, right. I mean, this is, this is how Jerry thought. He said, yeah. ah, Del Mar, mm, pretty, it's nice, good schools, great place to raise a family. We're going to go to San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> now, talk about this, so that, because that was really the beginning of a giant move to car studios here. And i got to tell you, as somebody who grew up in the car business back in those days, people thought that was kind of strange. Why can't we design cars, cool cars here in Detroit? We always have. Why do we have to be off-site and that far away? Is there something in the water? Is there something in the culture? Is there something that sparks mm-hmm. more creativity? And and then there was sort of an offense, like, well, you mean we don't have it back here in Detroit? I think Jerry would have said yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. Jerry would have said yes. Jerry loved outdoors. Yeah. I mean, he, he appreciated outdoor sports and... He liked sunshine, and sunshine is fantastic when you're looking at the exterior model, and you can take it out year-round. And I think there's a there's also the huge car culture in terms of the hot rod industry. And yeah, he just saw it as, as something that was doing something different, and that's where he wanted to be. You know, let me, let me just give you one other observation here. When he joined Datsun and left GM, GM at that time probably had 50 percent of the market yeah. or more. So that was a big move. To go, because I remember my father was an executive for Chrysler Corporation, and some of his underlings left Chrysler when they were struggling in the 70s there and went to start populating some of these companies, some of which rose to high positions, and they were all seen as, oh my God, you're going to go work for them? These are little toy companies. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, Jerry, Jerry, had a, Jerry wrote this amazing book that uh, ch- changed my life called The Creative Priority. It's, it's still on Amazon. It's an amazing book, and it's about exactly what you're talking about, creating the creative culture. Uh, but when he got the call to uh, start the Nissan studio, he actually hung up on the guy because he thought it was a joke from one of his colleagues in the studio. It's a dream. You know, you have to imagine here you are running a division of a major car corporation done in a major car corporation way. And here comes this call to start something from scratch, meaning hire the architect, you know, design the building, design the culture that the people are going to work in. And um, Brenda, I was thinking, you know, because one of the one of the main what like one of your sort of seminal vehicles, Brenda, I think that you worked on is Xterra. Uh, I think you were you know you you know again these are the, the two super talents that we have in the studio here are unsung heroes in the industry of all of the things that they've done and they're so humble. So I have to kind of drag it out of them. But Brenda really <laughs> created the color that we know of yellow Xterra. And I was thinking, Brenda, you, could you tell a little bit of the story about how Xterra came to be a vehicle because it did not come from a product planning document um if you talk about the research and stuff that was done with the minivans etc 
I wish Robert was on the line to because he was so much a part of the exterior design of that. But I remember talking that the package, and Brian, you can yeah. clarify this more than I, but the package was a little bit funny. I don't know what, how you would call it. Like the rear was higher, so it had that automatic step in the in the roof line. Mm-hmm. And it was like, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to deal with this? And it was like, well, let's think of it in some sort of like functional way. And what could it be? Let's let's work with it. Let's not. This this is what it is. And that's where the the basket came out. Oh, in the front suit or wet. Yeah, it came out of that because here's this this useful space that automatically has airflow. What's a good use for it? Yeah, and I think, and I remember at the time, uh, I mean, I was, you know, Xterra was done before my time, but I I remember coming into the studio and and that was the story that was told to me, sort of established of how Nissan worked. But this idea that the people at the time were not using their SUVs for SUV type things. They were using them as grocery getters. So didn't he send you guys out into the field to study vehicles that were being used with the way they intended SUVs to be used? Do you remember that story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went out and we, we, yeah, we looked at a lot of people loading all kinds of different things into different products. Yeah. Yeah, like minivans with surfboards and like, (laughs) yeah. Surfboards and (laughs) how were people using this? We noticed people were like hanging their wetsuits off their mirrors. Hanging wetsuits off their mirrors. I think that's where the the wetsuit, because the car had seat covers or wetsuit material. Right. But this idea that you you don't go, uh, you don't receive the document from product planning and you just do what it's told. You go out and you get involved in the um in in the mindset of the person you're designing for but was that radically different than what they were doing in detroit oh i don't think that you would have gone to the beach and looked at uh you know surfers loading things in 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 detroit that way you may have done like clinical studies and things like that but it was a it was a different a different kind of uh culture for sure he definitely sent us into the field i remember um early on in my career working on on Titan uh, pickup truck. And at this time, Nissan had never done a full-size truck. Uh, uh, and so this was a big deal. The truck was so big that the clay plates couldn't contain the model. They had to push it backwards to work on the front and push it forward. Because when they built the building, they thought, you know, Nissan will never do a truck that big. But we did. And one of the things he had us do was uh, leave the studio and go camping and go be with people that use trucks, uh, you know, rodeos and things like this, and to really understand what they were for. Is that when you went to the strip bars or something? Uh, yeah, you know, well, that's a great... <laughs> yes, but for different reasons. Um, I, uh, the pole dancing, that's a... That, so, you know, that's a great, actually, segue. The, that's the kind of thing I learned from Jerry. So, l- years later, when I started my own uh, consultancy, I had a project with Volvo, and they sent me into the field to live with long-haul truck drivers. And one of the places we went were the where the prostitutes hung out and the strippers hung out because they were using these amazing poles. And I loved the pole dancing because uh, the, the, the way they used their thighs to hold onto the poles was a friction idea. <laughs> Defy and, gravity. Defy gravity. And we came up with a whole shelving system <laughs> from, from the pole dancers. And I, I just, that whole idea of like doing that, that came from Jerry. Yeah. I use uh, things in my career today. All of that came from Jerry. I remember, uh, I think, uh, Anka, when we were working, uh, uh, I think it was either when Jerry was there or right after he left, he, we were able to do a whole line of furniture. And maybe right. you can talk about like um, how you came up with the idea of using paper uh, and we almost got fired. The paper machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we were always investigating materials and I love that Jerry always... He totally encouraged that. We also had, you know, DCL. <laughs> Design that we're doing lab. always our own yeah. research with the them. Research but lab. Mostly, yeah. you know, I love just working with Brenda in the color studio because 
And I still remember when I was hired, I walked in the studio. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like just a continuous of my studies. Yeah. It did not feel like a work environment at all. It was more like, wow, I'm getting paid to study and explore these incredible things. Yeah. So, yeah, that was another thing. So we what did you do with paper mache? A paper mache <laughs> yeah, doesn't so fit in a car. Right. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Don't, don't, even we I know investigating. that. <laughs> I mean, we had all kinds of strange things in cars. It was so much fun. We had felt. We had... Uh, the next step was like, how can we make a different instrument panel? Yeah. So Brian and I, we started research researching like, well, maybe we can just cut up paper. And I think we found this like somebody had a blender in mm -hmm. the in the shop. So yeah. we kind of stole that blender. I think we probably ruined that blender. No, it was, the their, it was the their protein shake blender. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, we tried to make that paper mache. You put glue and paper in a protein yeah. shake blender. Yeah, yeah, we well. tried to mold our own <laughs> instrument panels just as a concept, but... Who knows? Maybe later on that became, you know, we actually did work at the startup car company. Yeah, we, we did all use these, paper. like, Fibro wood yeah, yeah. panels. So yeah. it was amazing just have this sort of sense of freedom. I think that Jerry, one of the things I remember about Jerry was that he he didn't require you to always have a success out of every experiment. He called it freedom to fail. And sometimes an idea fails over and over again and then... Ten years later, something comes out of it, and as long as you were sketching your Altimas and getting your, you know, grills and you know, door handles and car things done, you could do anything you wanted. Um, Brenda, I think about the 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 relationship that we still have today with Airstream, and that mm. came out of the way Jerry ran the studio. It, it, it would be unheard of today for a designer at a car company to reach out to another company and say, "We want to do a project." with you without any sort of endorsement from, you know, the layers and layers of management. But if you could talk about what we did with Airstream uh, and how that well, happened. Well, and maybe, maybe back up, because I don't know if we said that Jerry embraced that we didn't just work on cars. Part of his right. uh, philosophy is that it was very important for designers to not just work on cars, but to work on other products. Mm -hmm. So if we found a product that we were interested in doing something with, or he That's did, true. or someone would come to us and he felt it would somehow grow the team, or we would experience something different, he would we would take it on. So we did everything from kids' furniture to golf clubs to, you know, yachts. boats. I know. Somebody yachts. I met recently <laughs> still remember that golf club. Yeah, I somehow worked with Callaway, and they're like, "Oh, I remember. Yeah, Nissan designed it that golf so club." So I got to like, stop you and say, "You're telling me that the Nissan Design Studio allowed you guys to? What did you, what did you freelance, or did uh -huh. the studio itself no. take on other projects? Well, the studio, oh, both. Yeah. Extra money. No, yeah. I know this story. We yeah. got extra money. And yeah, Japan didn't know about it, and we put that back into things that we wanted to play with. Like, yeah, right. It would be a, a, like whatever. So you guys like, like a pool table, maybe, or the <laughs> yeah. volleyball court. So Callaway Golf Clubs, for example, would come to the Nissan studio and say, "Hey, we want you to see if you can put a spin on this." And didn't he have to go up the ladder to Nissan corporate? And they'd say, "No, no I don't no, want you wasting time doing that." He'd protect us from yeah. that. Yeah, nobody yeah, that really knew, probably. Right? Nobody knew. <laughs> you know, money would come in, and it would be like a little slush fund that you'd use for other things here, or something almost. Uh, yeah. Brenda, was it was it you or was it Diane? <laughs> she didn't even hesitate on that one. Yeah. <laughs> there was a there was a design there's a designer who's just uh, retiring, so named Diane Allen, really really t talented uh, designer who did the Titan Z, just a whole host of vehicles. And I can't remember Brenda if it was you or Diane who uh, were doing a line of furniture for children and maybe you can tell the story of how you came up with the color palette for the... Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember. That was, we went, that was, again, Jerry wanted to have us go talk to kids because he thought it was important. So we went to a few schools and talked to kids and 
And then, I don't know, I knew I had to do the color palette, and I was like, well, oh. <laughs> at the time, everyone's saying kids like primary colors. They only like red, blue, yellow, right? It's just like this childlike <laughs> way of looking at color. And I was like, that's just ridiculous. I don't, I don't buy into that. I don't, oh, and the yeah. kids have a super sophisticated mm-hmm. taste. And so I was like, how am I going to prove this? Or how am I going to, like, you know, I, I mean... So we went and when we were there, I just looked at the kids and I was like, well, what? I looked at the crayons, like, seriously, like, which the crayons. one's the shortest? Mm-hmm. Which mean, ones they use the most? Like, which? Yeah. And what was it? So what were the colors that you it found? Was, they were way nuanced colors. It I remember them. I think like things. a light lime yeah. green, like a yeah. light yeah. purple, I think. Mm-hmm. Almost yeah. like muted yeah, pastels, right? So walk yep. me through this again. Yeah. I want to understand. So he says, go out to a school. You just, I want to walk me through. I'm a fly on the wall. You call up some <laughs> local school and you say, hi. <laughs> We're a des- <laughs> color designer. We want to come out and sit next to these kids and see what crayons they're using here. And they're like, oh, uh, no. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what we did. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I mean, how do they know we're not a stalker? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> Sure, come on in. Just sit and watch the kids. Well, there. Brenda also has a really wonderful way with people that like, with, you know, I think you sort of, you're, you're very, you know, humble and charming. It was, you know, an earnest. You know, that was what you wanted. You wanted to know what colors they used. Uh, I think you yeah. sat with them, right? And you just kind of watched yeah. them. Yeah. With Angela's Furniture Group. Now you're, yeah, Angela's yeah. Furniture oh And we, we actually won an award for that. Uh-huh. I still yeah. remember I that furniture. It was in the lobby yeah. for years. Yeah, and there was. Amazing. It was kind of purples and greens. And, so cool. But that idea that, you know, if you're going to design something for people, you should know the people you're going to design for rather than make assumptions. Like right. you were saying, Brenda, pe- adults assumed the color palettes that kids want. But kids told you what they want by showing you what colors they use the most. <laughs> yeah. They Brenda, may not be able to say it, but they may not have the vocabulary. But look and how did that improve your work designing a car? You're designing kids' furniture. Mm-hmm. How, when, he has to, when, when Nissan, when the corporate executives in Tokyo or wherever discover this and say, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You said what? Here, here's why we well, do this. Well, I do think it did influence. Actually, I have every paint panel from that era that uh-huh. I took from the studio. This is recorded, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is a recorded line. Oh my gosh. Everybody, looking everybody for gets, right now. There, everybody right. gets something. <laughs> There's helicopters <laughs> flying around trying to find you in those panels right now. No, oh God, I know. No. <laughs> no, I think that also it's about a mindset. Uh, if you're creative in that way, you'll be creative this way. Let me, here, here's a story of, uh, so that's what, that was the beauty of this, that like something like uh, going to speak to children broke up your mental calcifications of how colors are developed. Uh, you may not say, okay, these are the colors now we're going to use for the rest of America, but that type of thinking is what Jerry right. wanted. But I have, I'm thinking of a very literal translation story, which I really love, Brenda. Why don't you talk about the garbage from the car washes and the, and the vacuum cleaner oh. bags? <laughs> <laughs> dirt. It's a very dirty story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I, I forgot even what product it was for. I think it was for uh, something that was going to get. No, it's just regular minivan. I think. Uh-huh. Anyway. I was like, well, okay. The carpets get really, really gross and dirty. Well, but what colors? We we can put in like really light beige carpets and everything. And I was like, oh, that's dumb. Why put beige when you know it's going to be? So I, I said, well, let's just get all the dirt from vacuums from around. The U.S. Ah. <laughs> car washes around the United States. Car wash dirt. Car, car wash dirt. <laughs> hi, hi. Is this Joe's car wash yeah. in Toledo? Yeah. Yes. We would yeah. like to come and collect the dirt at your bags here. Yeah. Sure. Oh you did. Oh, my God. I had to, 
I had to call my friends all around the U.S., <laughs> tell them to go to car washes and get out. And, then I, <laughs> what a and task. Guess, I sent them a $10 gift certificate. Wow. <laughs> wow. For dirt. For dirt. But Brenda, didn't you actually find that different parts of the country had different hues to the dirt? Yeah, they did. Well, That's of yeah. different, different stuff. So, but in the end, it gave me the value of what was the average dirt color. But I had to sift all this out, by the way. I had to sift it through a sifter. And there was some weird, weird stuff in that. I was like, I'm going to get, like, hepatitis. <laughs> but you did translate it. Like, and I think you, oh I remember God. you were saying, like, you know, dirt from Arizona had a ruddy color, and dirt from, like, Detroit was more blue or green, or, you know, yeah. dirt from Florida was kind of creamy. Yeah. Uh, so if I had walked um, into the studio, so I'm, I'm with the uh, executive team, and they fly. They want to bring me through the design studio because they're so proud of the work you're doing. And you're over in a corner, pilot going through piles of dirt. <laughs> These two are making paper mache uh, over here. They would have thought this pictures. is like an insane asylum here. This <laughs> yeah, is, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was. You know, I think about. Okay, here, here's another. This is a very Jerry influence story. So when we did, when he let us. Well, uh, encourage us to have do other things. One of the things I do is reach out to Airstream, and through a long story that I, I don't need to tell it here, but the, to take the value out of it is that one of the th beautiful things about an Airstream that I learned through you know establishing this relationship is that when you walk into an Airstream, you see yourself in the Airstream because the Airstream changes color. It's aluminum, so if you walk in with a red jacket, an oh, Airstream turns oh, red. Oh. Trans how do you translate that into a car? Well, well it in does. The, it right. does. Go ahead. The sleeping bag the, story. Tell the sleep. So this is a great <laughs> one. Anka, yeah, so we did a road trip with Airstream. They gave us three right. Airstreams. Anka's got to tell the story. She's yeah. not telling enough stories here. Okay. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> Your turn yeah, to so we had this amazing, um, this was another thing that probably wouldn't happen nowadays or not in, yeah, in a different any environment. studio. I could imagine we basically, our street was getting remodeled, so um, we needed a pl uh, place to house all of White Studio, which was the color studio. So we got, uh, we talked to Airstream, and I think we got like three or four, three, <laughs> three Airstreams, yeah. three trailers, and they were all empty inside. So literally the entire color design team, plus Brian <laughs> and who else, we all went like across the country to the Airstream factory. We picked up empty Airstreams that then we got to design when coming back. Yeah. So, so much but we, we camped in them on the way home. And we camped in them. For 4,000 miles. Uh, hey, I know. Hey, Jerry. Oh, my God. Having not my dad. Have you never towed a thing in, in our lives? Oh my God! None of us. We had three Xterras, <laughs> three Xterras, and three trailers. We'd never towed anything, and we pulled. We drive back, and we all had walkie-talkies and handles. Yeah, I still. Have but to what tell was people it. what happened to us in Mi Mi Missouri in that right. morning. You woke up. So yeah, Brian and I, we almost didn't even survive because our I think the heater was broken. So we yeah. were like totally in the freezing cold, like <laughs> sleeping in these super green like sleeping bags yeah. but in the morning we woke up it's like oh my god this is amazing the whole ceiling had like this incredible reflection of the green the green and the I trailer had turned green inside from the reflecting right. the green suitcase yeah, right. sleeping bag so that didn't that inspire the, the headliner well it inspired it inspired a couple things it inspired the, the concept car that we did that year for the auto show which was a vehicle that had a trailer on it but it also what we did was we it was the first time that personal content was coming into a vehicle. So if you remember like when right. the iPhone came out, uh, this is the first time you could bring your content into your car. Uh, and not it like didn't with a come already yeah. pre-decorated or whatever. I mean, it was stuff you brought in and that you wanted to use in the car. Exactly. So we translated that a literal analog idea of the car changing color to a vehicle that changed personality when you got into it with the your own at the time it was like your own music your video content stuff that we're doing now in cars where you get into the vehicle and it knows you 
It knows who you are and it changes its personality for you. So that idea really for Nissan or for, you know, within Nissan as a studio that came out of that morning of Anka waking up in the, in the green, freezing, uncomfortable, <laughs> f- totally frost on the inside of the, the trailer uh, and, and realizing this epiphany. And that begat a whole host of inspiration that, yeah. that, that uh, inspired. And so. I think in general, too, like to me, it, always, it was so amazing because we could totally go out of the studio and do like all kinds of research. I remember we, we used to go to like junkyards or, yeah. I mean, all these different places. We went or we took like road trips whenever the so Japanese So, hey, Jerry, were where's your team today here? Uh, they're in Missouri. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're at a trash d- dumpster somewhere <laughs> here. They're over to school talking to kids in crayons here. Yeah. All the, all the way across like, the country. But I, I, I always felt like, you know, you're really not going to get the idea at your desk and that he really. You have to get I out. really feel like he promoted that down to even lunch breaks were longer they were an hour and a half and people mm-hmm. were like playing volleyball they're always outside competing not going to get the idea amazing. at your desk well here's what i'd like to do here's the idea i'd like to do because once again we've blown past our normal half hour show here and i feel like you've only even touched the surface do you guys want to stick around and do part two here and talk about then out of this incredible experience what was born how did it change the industry or, or yeah. has it gone back have, to what it was do you have time brenda yeah. yeah okay, no, we, okay. Okay. We can keep going. Yeah. I, if you do. Yeah. If you do. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love sure. it. We usually do two. Uh, yeah. When we run out of time okay, and fine. Yeah. Totally. All right. Because so we're just getting on a roll now. Yeah. yeah this is. I know. It's usually what happens. It's the so best fun. stuff happens in part so two. So I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> and uh, final thought is that you can't. It doesn't come to you at your desk. Yeah. The idea doesn't come to you. You have to go out and find it. And it sounds like he more than anybody else you guys knew encouraged you to get out and find it. Oh yeah. We are yeah. the designers we are but today because of him. Totally. The one thing we Absolutely. didn't touch on, and I think is such a part of who Jerry was, and, and this was, Jerry was a dichotomy, a huge dichotomy. He mm-hmm. was into, like, the culture, the arts, music, I mean, very, very highbrow stuff. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. would take us to the symphony and take us to places, places I honestly never had been in my life, you know? Um, so he was part of this. On the other hand, he was, you know... Do I dare say yeah. the kind of guy that would say, pull my finger? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That was the thing about yeah, Jerry. Right. He was both. Pull my finger. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> Everybody who's ever had a dad knows what that means. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, know, and the, you know what was neat about like, people like Jerry and Tom is like, for, for me as a young designer coming in, let's say, in the last you know, couple years of his career, Jerry had so much talent that I, I went to work knowing every day I would never quite be as good as Jerry. And you and you aspired to be that good, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really something. Like you, when you really respect and, and admire the people you work for, that you want to be as good as them, that talent sort of oversees every. He can be a pull my finger kind of guy because mm-hmm. so the talent speaks for itself, you know. <laughs> Well, we're going to pull the finger on this one here, <laughs> and and we're going to uh, wrap it up, and we'll come back for part two and talk Stick about around. talk about the legacy. So, what did he create? What did he leave behind, other than a bunch of happy people? Like you guys <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, stick around. We're going to come back for part two. <laughs> Right here in Driven by Design, right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.